Welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that has six hotels sitting on Baltic and is waiting for you to pass go because then that $200 will be ours. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. Hey, man. What's up? (laughs) Not much, man. What's going on? Uh, Not too much. Is Baltic one uh, one of those properties in Monopoly where if you own it, you like automatically win every time? Um, I'm not 100 percent sure because I believe it's one of the earlier ones. So, like, I was just thinking about the joke of, like, right when they pass go, there's some <laughs> crap. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, no, I, I know there's like two or three properties that if you own all of them, you are kind of guaranteed to win every time um, as much as like uh, a Monopoly is like a tried and true sort of classic board game. I know it's like pretty unbalanced when you actually go into the details of it but it's fun to play once in a while i guess (laughs) is it fun to play once in a while (laughs) that's why i said that questioningly (laughs) i was just trying to make a pop culture joke (laughs) i hear you i hear you no it's been a while since i've actually played it the whole time through and usually people either just get bored or pissed off when they play that game so yeah i don't know what to say Have have you ever played a game of monopoly to the end I have, but it's oh, I was really? literally like 12 years old and it was one of those like sleepovers at a friend's house. There was just two of us playing and we played all night till we finished. And uh, I actually won because I was smart enough not to uh, take out mortgages on my properties to, uh, you know, buy other properties like my friend was going in massive debt as we played. <laughs> but uh, that that was uh, that was probably the only time I've actually played the whole way through. So there you go. <laughs> well, all right. Well, anyway, um, how about this? Let's stop talking about Monopoly. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, let's like, what are we watching? What are we reading? So my watching and reading is actually all Monopoly. That's all I've been doing this last week. No, I'm just kidding. I've actually which, been which is what it should be. I totally understand. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I wish I had time to play uh, tabletop games. I've actually been super busy, um, so I really haven't had a chance to watch much. Um, this afternoon before the podcast, I actually threw Netflix on and I was kind of looking at what was out. And I saw that that uh, new Witcher anime is actually was actually just released. It's called uh, Witcher Nightmare of the Wolf. And yeah. I started watching it. But it's one of those things where I only had a t- enough time to get a few scenes in and then I had other stuff to do. So I'll have more of a review on that next week. But so far, it's really awesome. Like, it's really great animation. It's that sort of castlevania um masters of the universe animation we've kind of come to expect from netflix so as far as that goes it's awesome um but it's also in the witcher universe which is great and uh from what i've seen it's kind of i feel like this movie is going to kind of just be a 
refresher for you to watch and kind of remember the ins and outs of the lore of the Witcher. And as far as like the Witcher characters themselves, like how they work and how and what their powers are and all that. And I think it's going to be just kind of a good refresher to watch before the next season comes out in December. So that's pretty awesome. But like I said, I didn't watch a ton of this yet. So I just kind of watched enough to uh, get my mouth watering for it. But it was from what I've seen, it's pretty great. And like I said, Castlevania Masters of the Universe, it's like the same level of animation. I'm actually curious if it's the same studio that did this one. But so far, it looks awesome. And everything I've seen from it, it is really great. So, uh, yeah, there, there's that. Um, I don't know if you had any comments on this. I think you mentioned you watched the new trailer for this. I, I watched the trailer. Um, so, yes, the animation looks phenomenal. But here's my question, because I don't know the source material as well. Um, as like Game of Thrones, for example, is this like a prequel to the show or is this like a bridge from season one to season two? Or does it happen like within the realm of the same thing? That's what I was curious about when I was watching the trailer. So where I'm at, I can't tell. I don't know if it takes place before or after the uh, proper show that we've already seen. Okay. What it seems to be is it seems to be a story that centers around a different Witcher and uh, a different sort of cast of characters. So it's just kind of from what I can tell, it's a story within the Witcher universe, but it's not I don't think it's a prequel or a sequel or anything. I think it's just kind of a side story that's just going to be this really badass anime movie that came out of nowhere. So, yeah, which I'm totally here for, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and other ahead. than that, uh, I was going to say other than that, honestly, the only time the only thing I've had time to watch is the new uh Spider-Man trailer. Um, and I'm sure you've watched that too, but I don't know if you had anything you wanted to mention before we yeah, get to yeah, that. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to talk about Spider-Man trailer because uh, I am going to, it's going to be tangent cast here when we get to Spider-Man trailer. So <laughs> okay. Nice. Strap in. Um, so yeah, I'll jump on my watching and reading real quick. Um, first off uh, reading category. Um, I am catch Like I said, I was catching up on a lot of uh, Marvel stuff and just for fun, I decided to go back and read X-Men number one oh, from, cool. from 1963. I've never actually read X-Men number one. Um, I've read a lot of X-Men books, jumped in with the Jim Lee era. That's kind of where I did right in the 90s. That's where I started reading the majority of my X-Men stuff. But I never read the original Stan Lee X-Men number one. Mm -hmm. um, so I've been kind of going back and reading some old X-Men stuff. And what baffles me is I've read Action Comics number one. I've read Detective Comics number 27, first appearance of Superman, first appearance of Batman. I've read Amazing Fantasy 15, first appearance of Spider-Man. I just never read X-Men number one. I thought that was weird. Anyway. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat for some reason. I don't know why that is, though. <laughs> so early X-Men? Dude, Professor X is an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Like, honestly, if I was a mutant, I think I would have sided with Magneto just because Professor X is kind of a dick. Um, That's funny. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I'm really enjoying it. It's just kind of fun to look back at some of that old stuff, especially the old Stan Lee writing. It's just awesome. Um, uh, watching category. OK, so let me. So I've been watching a little anime this week. Um, oh, cool. Now, an anime that got recommended to me a long time ago is Sword Art Online which I really, really ended up liking a lot. I got really invested in the story, really invested in the love story. Um, my problem with anime is that 
it's not a problem. It's just it's a it's a waiting game that I have to play because when I watch a movie, a live action movie, I have no problem watching a foreign language film with the English subtitles. OK, yeah. When I watch an anime, because it's animated, I can't do the subtitles. I just I don't know what it is. I just can't. So I always would rather watch <laughs> it after the English dub has happened. I can't watch a foreign language film with the English dub because the mouth movements don't match. But with a cartoon, it kind of doesn't matter in my head. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay. I, I actually love this debate, too. So uh, okay. keep going. So I love foreign language films live action with English subtitles, but I can't do anime with English subtitles. I would rather watch the English dub. So if there's an anime I know I want to watch, I have to wait for the English dub to be a thing for me to watch it. Um, yeah. So Sword Art Online has it has the first two seasons and then there's a movie called Sword Art Online Ordinal Scale. And it's and I've been looking for it, looking for it, looking for it. And the English dubbed version is on Hulu. So I finally got a chance to watch it. Um, the movie was awesome. I loved every minute of it. That being said, it put me in the mood to watch anime. I never saw the third season of Sword Art Online. Because when it released on Cartoon Network, I watched like the first three episodes and I stopped watching it because I could not handle the commercials. There were way too many. (laughs) There were way too many commercials for a 22 minute show. So I kind of put it down and was like, I guess I'll just wait for Netflix to get it. Well, guess what? Nice. It's finally on Netflix. Um, Somehow it slipped past me. It's been sitting there for a while. Finally on Netflix. So I started watching the third season of Sword Art Online and I'm a handful of episodes in having a lot of fun with it. So that's what I've been watching in terms of anime. That's Um, great. I was I I was going to throw in just because I do. I really do love the debate over subbed versus dubbed anime and uh i know a lot of there's a lot of like hardcore fans who are really really adamant of like they'll only watch the subtitled version because they because they just feel like the translation is closer and i kind of jumped on that boat for a while where i was just like yeah that makes sense you know i'd prefer to watch subtitled anime um and then i i remember i started watching my hero academia and uh the thing with that show is Certain scenes, especially the classroom scenes in that show, the dialogue is so heavy that there's certain parts where you have to rewind it two or three times because you physically can't read the subtitles fast (laughs) enough while watching what's going on on the screen. And I was just kind of like, well, this kind of this kind of sucks. And, you know, I really want to enjoy the animation and the artwork. Like that's what I'm mainly here for. So, you know, let me try the dubbed version. So I actually went over to the dubbed version of that show. And then I kind of had another conundrum where I just didn't like the voice acting from the dubbed version. Not to say that there's not a lot of really good voice actors, but the main character, uh, Deku on my hero academia, the English voice actor make him sound like such a whiny little like wussy person. And like he just wasn't the kind of I really enjoyed the voice acting from the Japanese version in that respect, as well as like the character All Might was like his voice in the Japanese version is just really epic while also being really hilarious at the same time. So it's kind of a weird conundrum for that show. But Overall, I think people kind of get over get a little too uptight about subbed versus dubbed anime. But I do love the debate and I love to hear people's opinions on it. Um, The one thing I will say, if there's ever an anime that I think 
you definitely have to say you prefer the dubbed version. Uh, for me, that would be the Helsing anime because the whole thing takes place in England. And it's kind of weird to watch a show about England while people are speaking in Japanese. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah. But that's just my two cents I wanted to throw in there. Well, for me, I can watch it. I can watch subtitles with foreign language films. I actually prefer it that way. But for animation, if it's a foreign language animation, I have to watch the English dub. I just I can't. My brain just doesn't want to do it. So. Yeah. Yeah. But so my plus, plus you're there to watch the animation. Like I said, you're there to watch the animation and the artwork. And sometimes the subtitles can be distracting when you're just right. trying to take it in, take in like this visual media, you know. So I don't have a problem with anime, but I do have a problem with the waiting game to watch the anime that I want to watch. <laughs> um Anyway, uh, the other thing that I watched is this week and I was trying I almost couldn't get it in, but I was really like, I got to get this in because I really was been looking forward to it as I watched the movie Reminiscence on HBO Max. That's on HBO. OK, I have I don't know anything about this movie. I've seen it on there. I'm kind of curious about it. So tell me about it. All right. So I'm going to try and do this in a spoiler free way because I want because I didn't really know a lot going in. All I know is that the trailer looked cool. And I was, that was enough for me. Um, so it stars Hugh Jackman, um, uh, Rebecca Ferguson, Tandy Newton, um, a couple other cast members from uh, Westworld. And the reason I say that is because um, Lisa Joy, who um, co-created the Westworld show for HBO, wrote and directed this. OK. Um, so there's a little bit of Westworld uh, crossover in terms of actors. But um, so. Ultimately, this movie is a it, I highly recommend it, but it is a movie that it's going to make you think. And it's a movie that you have to pay attention to. Um, and I say that because I know some people like to. Oh, I got a text message. They put pick up their phone and look at their phone. As soon as you put your phone down, you've missed a bunch of stuff. <laughs> Usually those are the people that I try to show movies to. And then they're looking at their phone the whole time. And I'm like, gosh, what the heck? I know. It's like I just wanted to watch a two minute trailer. Put the phone out. <laughs> at any rate. Um, so this is a movie that makes you think it is a movie that you're going to want to pay attention to. So uh, brief overview. There is. There was at some point this movie takes place in a dystopian future where um, it primarily takes place in Miami and New Orleans after there was a cataclysmic event where the oceans rose and started to sink the cities. So um, there's the whole level of society's changed because there's people who live on boats now. There's, um, the water's lifted. So people live like still in the skyscrapers, but it's like the skyscrapers are now sticking out of the water and hmm. um it's it's a really cool, interesting idea. I don't want to yeah. say I don't want to say water world idea, but the oceans clearly rose and everyone's had to adapt to this new life. Um, okay. special, special dams and levees. And they talk about and then the dialogue, they talk heavily about what happened. So you get a good sense of what happened. Anyway, there apparently was a war that broke out in the midst of all of that, like a possible civil war. You don't really get enough um, information on the war, but you know that Hugh Jackman's character is a veteran of said war. <clears throat> okay, so Hugh Jackman's character has created, he either created or is one of the operators for this new tech called Reminiscence, which allows people to relive memories in a sort of a virtual experience. Um, okay. So think, 
And I, I don't want to compare it to Inception, but it has an Inception kind of a feel to it because in Inception, they're going into a dream and it's all dreams. Well, you're going in this movie, you're going into your memories. So you go into the, you, get, you, get, you get hooked up to the machine and you're going into the memories and reliving moments from your past. Well, that's just a over. That's a really cool concept. Um, right. I'm almost picturing this as like in like a holodeck sort of uh, system okay. or I don't know if it's like VR or something. Um, it also vaguely reminds me of uh, a Black Mirror episode that I think is called The Total History of You, I want to say. I think it's from the first season, but that's more of all your memories you can rewatch like on a television set or a computer as opposed to okay. relive them. But yeah, this is a straight relive, like feel, smell, taste, like everything is like real. Um Anyway, so Hugh Jackman, in the story, he falls in love with Rebecca Ferguson's character, and they have a bit of a life together, and she vanishes, completely up and disappears. And yeah. he starts digging into his own memories, and some of the recorded memories he have of hers, and because he's trying to find her, he's like, he doesn't believe that she's vanished. And he starts digging into the past because of these memories he has. And then he starts seeing things that lead him down this crazy trail of a conspiracy nightmare. That's like this giant, like twisted puzzle. Um, until he this learns, sounds awesome until he learns, <laughs> until he learns the truth. And you're just like, and if you know, if you're really good with like writing and story structure, there's a couple things I think you'll pick up on like, Oh, Hey, I should have seen that coming from the beginning. You know what I mean? There's a couple things yeah. that, like, ah, that scene will play later, you know, and I wasn't 100 percent sure. But then I was right, you know, so but the movie itself was really fun. It, it, it's really, really good. Um, I highly recommend it. Um, yeah, the pacing, there's a couple parts that are a little bit slow, but the pacing was like perfect. So even those slow points, you don't feel like it's uh, it, you don't feel like it's slow, if you will. I don't yeah. know. It's the movie's awesome. So. Dude, check it out. It's great. No, it, it sounds awesome. It almost sounds like uh, it sounds like two different movies because you have that sort of apocalyptic sort of like global warming aspect of as far as the landscape of the movie. But then you have this futuristic technology and the whole conspiracy and uh, mystery about uh you know, as far as that goes. And I'm actually kind of more interested in the conspiracy aspect, but it just sounds in, like an interesting movie overall. So I'll definitely have to check this out. Like I said, the trailer looked cool and that was enough for me. And I, you know, like the movie, I just thought was a lot of fun and yeah. So check it out. Okay. Cool. Time to go on time to go into our tangent cast. If you will, uh, are you ready to talk <laughs> about the uh, Spider-Man trailer? Absolutely. I actually right. feel like I'm going to have a lot less to say about right. this than you are. But, yeah, let's do it. Before we go into this moment of Spider-Man, I am going to warn everyone right now that if I'm right about anything I'm about to say, it could be viewed as spoilers. Yeah. All right. So I'm dropping basically a massive spoiler warning to say we're going to talk about the trailer. But anything I'm about to say, if I'm correct could be spoilers because there's a lot of stuff that drew back to comic book stuff that I went, Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. Okay. So why don't you give me your review of the Spider-Man trailer first before <laughs> I go? <laughs> 
So it's it's kind of hard to know what to say with this one. Um, like I've said in the past, I've been doing a really good job lately of watching a trailer and then kind of like almost doing my best to forget all the details right away just because I don't want to I don't want to remember them when I watch the movie. And I actually feel like this trailer did have a big issue as far as showing things in linear order, like watching the trailer. I kind of felt like we saw the first like three quarters of the movie, like in in sequential order. So I kind of don't know what to think about that. Um, There's obviously some like a huge one huge reveal in this trailer, which was pretty great to see as far as a returning villain from another uh, iteration of, you know, live action Spider-Man. But this is also something that we've been talking about on the podcast. And I kind of knew this actor was in the movie and it kind of ruined that reveal a little bit. Um, but overall, I mean, I think it looks like a solid movie. It looks like a lot of fun. Um, I, <laughs> I, I think I don't know. I don't want to say too much and I don't want to complain about this movie too much, but the first, so Spider-Man Homecoming, I really wasn't a big fan of because I felt like you had Peter Parker, who is this kid who had superpowers, but for most of the movie, he was doing his best to impress Tony Stark and be this Iron Man fanboy. But in the process, he was kind of screwing a lot of stuff up. Like he was like, he just, he completely destroyed this guy's convenience store and then kind of just swung off with no remorse from that. And he didn't really feel like a hero to me. And that's actually why I really, I actually really appreciated Spider-Man far from home because I felt like, okay, he actually feels like a hero. He's trying to do the right thing. He's trying to save people. And I really appreciated that movie because it felt more like the aspects of Spider-Man that I personally gravitate towards. Now, with that being said, one thing I was thinking when I watched this move with this trailer was like, okay, so in the first movie, Spider-Man runs around and he keeps, uh, messing stuff up and like to the point where I kind of felt like he's he felt like more of a villain than the vulture. And I watched this trailer and I was a little bit like, okay, well now Spider-Man completely screws up the multiverse. (laughs) And I'm like, this kid's just kind of a big screw up. I don't know. I'm waiting to see the movie though, before I cast judgment, but that's just kind of what I was laughing to myself. Like, well, P uh, there he goes, the Spider-Man screwing up again. He's ruining the entire multiverse. So I guess that's a thing now, but um, no, I mean, it looks fun. It I'm, I'm here for it. I'm excited to see the, this movie, especially after seeing far from home. Um, There's some really cool action scenes. I'm really excited about the return of, uh, is it Alfred Molina? Is that the the actor's name? Who's playing uh, Dr. Octavius Um, spoiler, but um, yeah, I mean, it looks good overall. I just kind of have a couple nitpicks and kind of that, uh, that multiverse thing that was making me crack up there. But uh, what, what are your thoughts on this trailer? Okay. So first off, yes, Dr. Octavius. Yes. Alfred Molina. Um, so first off the trailer, I thought looked really, really good. Like I loved everything I saw in the trailer. Okay. Um, and I was really excited to see Dr. Strange. I was really excited to see where they were going to take that. I'm really excited to see this multiverse crack that's about to happen. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But my brain started thinking, I watched the trailer twice. Um, the first time I started catching things and then I had to watch the trailer a second time because my brain automatically started thinking lots of comic stuff and lots of MCU stuff that has already had groundwork laid. And that's where I have to go on a tangent. Okay. Um, 
So let's start with um, let's just start with uh, your your talk about the reveals. Okay, so I want to cover that real quick before I go off. Um, first off, uh, Alfred Molina as Doc Ock. We talked about that heavily that he would be a return. So just to have him in the trailer was nice because it was it was news for a long time and everyone knew it was coming. Okay, so you got Doc Ock. Then you got a flash of the Sandman. Then you got a pumpkin bomb. You know, there's yeah, more, there's more yeah, building here. about that. But yeah, we're, we're talking about Sinister Six here. And that's awesome. Um, that's something like we've been dreaming about since the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man's. OK, so whether we're getting Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield in the movie as cameos because of a multiverse thing, I'm kind of like, who cares? We're getting the, we're getting the Sinister Six is what it looks like. Uh, but we, but what I need to focus on specifically is the Doctor Strange stuff in the story. OK, so. Doctor Strange's mansion is now covered in like snow. I don't know what that's about, but it's 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 his um, it's his building. And because of all the magic stuff, that could just be weird. Um, what, <laughs> what I want to point out with the Doctor Strange thing is that that whole section of the trailer with Peter knowing that, you know, the whole world knows that he's Spider-Man and you saw in the trailer how it's messing up his life and it's putting his yeah. friends and his family in danger and all that stuff. I want to flash back to comic books, Mark Millar's run on the, on the comic book version of civil war during which, uh, the civil war events in the comic books, Peter Parker's identity got revealed to the world. And Peter Parker had to go through this whole thing about how exactly what we were seeing in the trailer. It was because life was becoming difficult. His family and friends were in danger. Um, you know, his enemies knew exactly where to strike, when and where they need to go. They need to go at they knew when and where to go after him and all that stuff. And it became a huge problem. And eventually Aunt May became deathly ill and she was about to die. Um, at this point in the comic books, Peter Parker and Mary Jane are actually married. And Peter Parker receives a visit from. You know what? We're going to come back to that real quick. We're going to put a pause in what I said. First off, there's a big thing online right now that people don't believe that the Doctor Strange in the trailer is the actual Doctor Strange. I saw now, a little bit of talk about that. Now, now some people are saying that and this is a very lazy opinion in my in, in my opinion, this is a very lazy thought, and it's Doctor Strange is a Skrull. Um, we know that Skrulls have genetically altered themselves to be, uh, quote-unquote, super Skrulls and take on magic abilities and be able to mimic abilities of other characters. So could a Skrull mimic Doctor Strange and have magic powers? Possibly. And the way I look at it is that um, uh, Doctor Strange... Uh, so could he be a scroll? Sure. But I think it's lazy. I know we have secret invasion coming, but I think there needs to be more here in this specific moment because we're dealing with a crack in the multiverse. OK, um, the other issue is that um, Dr. Strange is not Dr. Strange because could he have found a replacement for him to mimic Dot himself so he could be at that building in case anyone needs him? Because Dr. Strange is actually out there looking for Wanda because of the events of WandaVision. Um and dealing with that because we're going to see Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness, or is this movie a setup to Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness because of the multiverse situation? The ultimate question with that is who created the multiverse? Was it Wanda with her reality problem? Was it Loki with the time variance authority and the splintering of time? Or is it Spider-Man and the events that we saw in this trailer cracking 
the multiverse into the craziness that it is. Which yeah, might, or was it all of them at the same time? Exactly. The other thing that's poking on the internet, and this is where my brain went immediately when I saw this, was um, Doctor Strange um, could very well be Mephisto. Uh, did we learn our Mephisto thing from WandaVision? Clearly not, because we're comic book fans, and I think we all just want to see certain things. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> but in Spider-Man, when his identity in the comic books, when his identity was revealed and all this bad stuff was happening, Peter Parker got a visit from Mephisto and said, I can fix Aunt May and make sure everyone doesn't know you're Spider-Man anymore. Wow. The only and, and the catch was you will have to give up your marriage to Mary Jane. That was the deal. Now, you got to remember that Mephisto is Marvel's version of the devil. Okay? Yeah. In the comics, Peter Parker took the deal. This angered fans. This angered fans on a level of I'm and I'm one of them. This angered fans on a level where they like I mean, they were I th- this was one of those like moments where like it really, really pissed off a fan community. A very he- like Star Wars level divided. You know what I mean? When uh, fans got mad about uh, Last Jedi, um, probably worse, in my opinion, if you just look at that. Uh, niche corner of the uh, comic book world. My problem with this was Peter Parker understands death and loss. He He's dealt with that heavily throughout his career. Um, he has everything he wants with Mary Jane. Aunt May got deathly ill. She's an old lady. She's going to die, dude. Um, so you understand this. You've lived through this with Uncle Ben and other things. Peter Parker never, ever would have made a deal with the devil. And that's my problem with it. Always was. So they're specifically from this trailer drawing ties from the story arc. One more day, a brand new day and a moment in time. And he makes the deal with Mephisto. He loses his marriage to Mary Jane. Everyone forgets that he's Spider-Man. Aunt May gets to live. And it becomes this whole new thing in this trailer. What happens? We need to fix my identity. Everyone knows who I am. Sweet. I can do it for you. Great. Okay. But wait, I'm going to Mary Jane's not going to know. Oh my gosh. Like all this stuff. It was literally one more day. And I'm like, oh my God, you guys are actually going to do it. But it looks like they're going to do it a little smarter. So the question is, is, is Dr. Strange really Dr. Strange or is Dr. Strange is Mephisto or is Dr. Strange replacing Mephisto in this thing here? Um, my thing, I think, just, well, I was going to say ahead. any of those options are a lot more interesting than just that he's a scroll, I believe. So <laughs> I, my other thing is that Dr. Strange holding the T next to the fireplace with the cape is almost like aside from the costume and like with the picture of everything, the panel of Mephisto meeting Peter Parker is Mephisto wearing a cape in front of a fireplace with a glass of wine. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> right. So. I'm literally like I all I did was watch that trailer on. Oh, my God. Are you guys serious? You're actually going to do this. Are you going to are you going to piss me off again? Are we going to do this for real? You know what I mean? Like um, and then as I watch the trailer, I'm like, wow, this could be really cool. And if they're basically going to take Mephisto out of the equation and put it, make it Doctor Strange, then it's going to lead into the Doctor Strange movie. It made me more excited for the Doctor Strange movie. Yeah. So if I'm right about anything I said, I probably just spoiled the crap out of that movie. But I could be wrong. It actually like it is a it is a huge potential spoiler. But at the same time, it does make me a lot more amped up for the movie because it just sounds like 
there's a whole level of epicness and weight that just that whole scenario that you described puts on this movie that I really wasn't thinking about. So that's that actually sounds really awesome. Um, I know. I don't know if it was just I remember the uh, in WandaVision. I think it was the be the bewitch style episode. There was a uh, devil in the opening credits and a lot of people were speculating, yeah. like, is that Mephisto? Is Mephisto showing up? And I'm it'll be interesting to see if Mephisto does show up in Spider-Man No Way Home and, uh, you know, or if he doesn't. But it's kind of cool if you can go back to the Marvel movies and especially the TV shows and see maybe there's more sort of subtle hints that uh, Mephisto is going to show up. Like before it was revealed that uh, Lady Loki was in Loki. I kind of thought it might have been Mephisto because of the uh, during that one uh, variance when there's the uh, the kid when they're in the church. I think it was in the first episode and the kid points at the uh, at the devil uh, stained glass window trying to explain that, like, the devil caused like this variance that happened. And okay. at that point, I was like, oh, well, maybe it's Mephisto, actually. And then it turned out to be Lady Loki. But I think it's uh, it'll be interesting to go back and see the hints that are put in the MCU and how they add up to whatever is revealed in this movie or potentially future movies. We don't really know what's going on yet, but I do really enjoy the sort of cryptic Easter eggs that the MCU has been putting in things. So right now I've said in the past Marvel has created a television show that you have to go to the movie theaters to watch. Okay. They've every time a new movie comes out, I'm constantly looking back to the past. What have we already lived through? What information have we already gotten? We're in a new phase of the Marvel universe and they're giving us a lot. There's so much to take in right now with shows and movies and stuff. So when I saw this trailer, I'm just, I got, I got to think, I got to look, look at that. And I've read, um, a large handful of the comics and that Spider-Man comic, you know, one more day, you know, brand new day, those things that really turned me off to Marvel comics for a while. That's one of the reasons I'm playing catch up right now is I'm, I'm enjoying reading Marvel again. And I love that, but, um, it just made me think. And I just started drawing back to, you know, what I knew. And I was like, Oh man, like we're really doing this. Okay, here we go. So I'm excited to see the movie. I think it looks really, really cool. I just, you know, that was just some of the some of my thoughts. Um, so, yeah, everyone watched the Spider-Man trailer because it's awesome. But this is where my brain's going anyway. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. But, yeah, very, uh, very interesting speculations there. Cool. Well, anyway, we got light news. You want to talk some news real quick? Yeah, let's go for it. OK, so, yeah, that's my Spider-Man thing. Spoiler nonsense over <laughs> unless you unless you consider uh, news spoiler. Um Okay, first off, since we're on Spider-Man stuff, Venom 2 is reportedly being delayed until spring of 2022. Okay, I heard it was being delayed. I didn't know it was being delayed that long, which really, that really sucks. Yeah, Um, now it's not. I was so excited. This is a reportedly being delayed. Um, Yeah. So we don't we're not we don't 100 percent know if that's true or not. It was supposed to be October like 15th or something. They're saying is reportedly being delayed until January 22, um, 2022. So um, I just kind of look at it as a. OK, well, I'll see Venom 2 when it comes out. Uh, you know, we're in a weird 
theaters are playing catch up. COVID's making rearing its ugly yeah. head. We're getting mask mandates all over the place again. So, you know, like what's going on? Um, but yeah, so Venom 2 might be pushed back. Um, I don't know if that's 100 percent true or not. Um, out of DC news, uh, Black Canary is getting a movie. Um, yeah, I actually heard that. This looks like it's going to be a straight to HBO Max uh, movie. Um, the actors who played Black Canary in Birds of Prey will be playing Black Canary. Um, I'm actually I, this is the one piece that I was really kind of happy about because it was a different take on Black Canary and Birds of Prey. It's not my favorite take on Black Canary, but she was, in my opinion, probably the best part of the Birds of Prey movie. Um, so I was happy to see that she's returning. Um, what I really thought was interesting is if we, and, and I was like, eh, do we really need a Black Canary movie? But if we're doing a Black Canary movie, that means we might get to see a film version of Green Arrow. Yeah, absolutely. So I went, ooh, that's cool. And yeah, we had the Arrow TV show and they did a fantastic job with that show. But we haven't seen a film version of it yet. Um, and the Black Canary Green Arrow love story, in my opinion, is one of the best in comic books. So this could be kind of a cool thing. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I can't remember the actress's name who played uh, Black Canary and Birds of Prey, but I like her as an actress a lot. Um, I, I really liked her and like she was in True Blood and I thought she was awesome in that and a couple other movies and shows that I've seen her in. So I'm excited for this. But yeah, the uh, like you said, the live action Green Arrow potential that's there like that is really exciting to see. And like finger fingers crossed, it'll happen because that that would just be amazing. Yeah. Um, well, this is going to make you laugh. Jason Momoa and Dave Batista are developing a buddy cop movie. <laughs> all right, then. <laughs> <laughs> um, and apparently all it took was Dave Batista to send a, t a text to Jason Momoa and said, we should do a buddy cop movie. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, so now that's a thing. First off that, did you ever see the movie, the other guys? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I love that movie. So one of the things I loved about the other guys is you had the rock and was it, was it Samuel, Samuel L. Jackson? Yeah, yeah. So the rock and Samuel Jackson were the two super cops that die at the beginning of the movie. And then you go off with Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> I feel like the buddy cop movie would be the, the Rock and Samuel Jackson version that we would have gotten if they hadn't die at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> that's a, that's absolutely a good call. Uh, that's actually a perfect throwback. And I just think that um, <clears throat> I just think that uh, Jason Momoa and uh, Dave Bautista both seem like actors that just do projects that seem fun to them and they both seem to really just enjoy the uh the art of making movies like just from like a like just sort of from a fun standpoint so i'm kind of this movie like at first when you you like when you first described this movie i was kind of like oh of course but thinking more about it this actually sounds like a really hilarious but just really fun movie uh side note about the uh Samuel L. Jackson and uh, the rock um, death scene from the other guys. Uh, spoilers. Uh, me and a group of friends <laughs> yeah. were once talking. <laughs> we're once talking about deaths in movies that just completely caught you off guard. And we definitely talked about that scene because that was just out of nowhere. So random and so stupid, but just so hilarious to watch at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Well, I don't know. There's not other. The only thing I know about it is they're doing a buddy cop movie. So cool. Let's let's see that because that just sounds awesome. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I just I, yeah, just cool. Um, all right. So here is a news story. This is the last piece of news for the night. Like I said, it's light news day. That's why I didn't mind going on my Spider-Man tangent. Um, uh, this is a show that I completely forgot was coming and I'm really excited about it now because there's some actual imagery that has been released, uh, some stills of the cast and it looks absolutely gorgeous. I feel like just based off this alone, they got it right. And that is screenshots for the Cowboy Bebop live action show on Netflix. Yeah, I saw those too. Um, yeah. What did you think of them? It's, it sounds like you kind of. Just those images, they look amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like uh, I felt like the characters looked spot on and stuff. So it'll be awesome to see where this goes. Yeah. And, you know, like it doesn't take much to get a show right. It's like, look, you take the source material and you do that. Um, You know, (laughs) it doesn't take much. But here's the thing. All these characters look the way they're supposed to look. Um, the sets they're on look the way they're supposed to look. It's like, hey, without seeing like story stuff, it sounds like you guys got it right. So, yeah. um, you know, the it's I mean, the best way to describe it is it's like a like a hitman Western in space. I guess that's the best way of working. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that that kind of that kind of works. Um, Cowboy Bebop's a hard show to nail down to because a lot of the it's almost like each episode has its own vibe, um, which is kind of a cool thing about it. If I remember correctly, because I think we talked about this on the show, isn't the original composer for the original anime doing yeah. the Netflix show as well, yeah. which is a really awesome touch because the music in that show is such a cool it's such a cool and important element of the show. It has a very, I don't even know how to describe it, like a weird urban jazz feel to everything um, that really gives the show a really unique com- uh, character, you know, when compared to other animes. So, yeah, overall, like, it's kind of like I'm always on the fence when it comes to live action adaptations of anime, just because usually I'd rather just watch the animated version. But it does seem like they're checking a lot of the right boxes with this show. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. And uh, the wait's not very long. It premieres November 19th. So, oh, wow. I didn't realize it was that soon. Yeah. So we get to we get to watch some Cowboy Bebop soon. I'm really I'm excited for that. So anyway, that brings us to the end of the news. Would you like to talk about uh, our list for the evening? Yeah, sounds good. Cool, man. Uh, so anyway, Ryan, it is time for the list. So you know what I need you to do. Can you roll the thing? And now for the top five. So, Peter, here we are. It is your list. So you want to explain to us what we're doing tonight and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, so this week we're doing our top five fictional sports. So these are sports in movies and video games and TV shows, et cetera, et cetera, that don't actually exist, but we would want to. Maybe we'd want to play them, but there's not really too much further to it than that. I just thought this was a fun topic, and I feel like I almost feel like every huge science fiction or fantasy franchise tends to have these sort of, uh, I guess, like sports games in them that just don't exist but it's always just like 
oh, that looks so cool. I wish I could play that. So sure. um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on the list or if you want to just jump in. My thoughts on the list were <laughs> not a lot of fictional sports. <laughs> right. So my concern is that we've matched a lot. Um, but when I was reading through and I was doing some research and I found I, I found some stuff, I was like, ooh, I wonder if Peter would even pull that out. Has he even read that book? Has he you know what I mean? Like some of that went through my head. So I hope my list is a little more different than yours. I'm pretty sure we matched on one for sure, but I hope my list is a lot more different than yours. Um, and surprisingly, I do have an honorable mention. Okay, I have two honorable mentions, so I guess I can start and then we can go into yours. Um, I do think we might match a bit, um, but this is like a this is one of those lists. It's kind of like, I don't know, you made me do shark attack movies and I had like barely any <laughs> movies to pull from. So it's this is one of those lists like that where it's not a huge list to go off of, but it's just a cool topic in general. So that's kind of why I wanted to tackle this one. And actually, while talking about this, I've actually thought of a couple other sports possibilities that I wish I could have mentioned, but I forgot. Sure. You know, until just now. But anyways, I'll move into my first honorable mention, which is a video game pick. And I went with uh, Jet Moto from the Jet wow. Moto video games. So Jet Moto is kind of like a I forgot about jet, jet powered. Yeah, it's like a jet powered um, motorcycle race. But you're each character's kind of flying this uh like this hovercraft um, that looks like, I guess you ride it like a motorcycle. I always equated it more with a jet ski or like a ski do, but it's this like sort of jet powered hovercraft that you race people on. And uh, I just, I think we only had one of the games. I think we had jet moto two on the original PlayStation. And I just always had a blast playing this game because it's one of those games that you just, you get into the race and it's super fun, but there's tons of crazy obstacles and there's a ton of jumps. And if you hit the jumps fast enough, you just go flying. And the physics of the game were just really, really awesome to play. And it's one of those things where I played it enough that I started doing tricks during the races, even though there was no tricks in this game. But I figured out that if you hit the jumps hard enough, you could do do backflips and 360s and stuff. <laughs> that was just really awesome. And then continue your race. And I just always thought the Jet Moto games were a really good time. So I wanted to mention this one. All right. Um, yeah, I completely forgot about this video game. So, um, yeah, I'm glad that uh, you <laughs> Because that absolutely me, wow, we definitely did not match. <laughs> um, all right. So my first honorable mention for the night is tap ball. I'm unfamiliar with this one. I perfect. Believe. Perfect. This comes from the Simpsons. Oh, uh, awesome. Tap ball is a game invented by Homer Simpson because he felt all other sports were boring, in particular soccer. Um, tap ball is a combination of many sports, as Homer says. The only equipment you need is a smartphone, 13 balls of varying size, bats made of glass, some chalk to mark the many end zones, a quaffle, <laughs> Kevlar body armor, as expected from a game invented by Homer Simpson. The rules are not very clear, as he said. The only rule of tap ball is there are no more than 67 rules, which the tap sub rules, notes, and clarifications. Um, here are, oh, that's all you need. <laughs> yeah, here, are, <laughs> here are a couple of the rules. A three-point shot is worth five points. Attire is business casual. 
Uh, with one minute to go in the eighth quarter, the score is always tied, so it's more exciting. Um, uh, every player must keep both feet on the floor at all times. When running, a hand must also be on the floor. Um, the only player, only the player with the ball, is allowed to cry. Uh, no running over players with a foreign-made car. <laughs> um, it's basically uh, complete insanity, and uh, it always made me laugh. It is a bit of a video game um, uh, call out because it's from the Simpsons tapped out ball and soccer cup 2015 video game. Um, <laughs> so, but it, because it was Simpsons, I was like, wow, that's hysterical. I completely forgot about it. So I wanted to bring it up. So. <laughs> no, it, it is really funny. Um, I'm actually unfamiliar with this Simpsons episode. So that's why I did see this online while researching it, but, uh, while researching my list, but it didn't make my list cause I was unfamiliar with that episode, but it sounds hilarious. But overall, my biggest question is just how close is uh tap ball to the beloved game show bamboozled. <laughs> <laughs> Um, if you remember yep. <laughs> that yep. bamboozled from friends. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and you know what, you know, what's funny is that episode of friends. I was like, wow, you, by the end of that episode, you're like, that's an awesome game. <laughs> you know? So. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, anyway, okay, what's, well, your next, what's your next honorable mention? Yeah, I was going to say moving from one Matt Groening property to the other. Um, my next honorable mention is Blurns Ball from Futurama. <laughs> Are you familiar with this one at all, Drew? Oh. OK, so Blurns Ball is a futuristic version of baseball that's in Futurama. And it's basically they decided that the actual version of baseball was too boring. So they added a bunch of crazy stuff to uh to make it more interesting in the future. And uh, there is a lot of little sort of uh, gags that they have in the episode where they show Blurns Ball. Like, I remember there's like this weird thing where there's like a giant spider that's in the outfield and stuff. But honestly, the part that made me crack up the most is one of the aspects of Blurns Ball is the ball is tethered to an elastic string that's connected to the pitcher's mound. So Every time like a batter hits the ball, <laughs> it ends up going flying, but then it comes straight back towards the pitcher's bound. And it kind of has this like pinball sort of like elastic bouncing around the field. That's just it was just a hilarious gag to actually see in the episode. And I just always thought that was just a really funny concept overall. So there you go. Blurns ball. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That's not one that I'm familiar with either. <laughs> All right. So it's my first pick for the evening, right? Yes. OK, so um, did you ever read The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? I've seen the movie. I've never read read the book. Okay. So my first pick is Brockian Ultra Cricket from the book The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I do not recall it making an appearance in uh, the film yet. It doesn't seem familiar to me, so, okay. but, uh, yeah, go on. I'm pretty sure I'm ex Brockian. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing it correctly. In the book, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams, Brockian Ultra Cricket is a game in which players hit each other as hard as possible and then run far away and apologize. Uh, the players are scored based on the quality of their apologies. <laughs> uh, nice. So it's insane. <laughs> um, but I love Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Douglas Adams, that 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 whole that Hitchhiker's Guide is it's like a couple short books that you can get as a collected volume. And that's how I read it. It's awesome. Um, no, nah, but it's one of my favorite like science fiction, like 
books. So definitely check it out if you get a chance. Yeah, you could watch the movie, but the books just lend so much better. But this just had to, you know. Yeah, this is one that I think I'd really enjoy because um, I always really loved the movie and just kind of the kind of humor that's in it because it kind of has this weird like satire social commentary uh to it that i always really appreciated so i think the book would be really cool to read plus it has that sort of sci-fi uh space opera aspect to it as well but uh no the the sport sounds hilarious so i definitely see why that made your list um but yeah (laughs) anyway what's your uh, first actual pick for the night so my first actual pick is one that i think definitely counts but at the same time it's my closest to being a cheat because the version of this sport doesn't has never been confirmed to exist (laughs) in the franchise that it's in but i think it without without a doubt would exist if that makes sense and that's and that sport that i picked is hoverboarding from back to the future um where we see hoverboarding oh. in Back to the Future Part 2, and we see a crazy chase scene and stuff involving hoverboards, and it's awesome. But when you think about it, you know that they would have, in that universe, they would have either hoverboard races or hoverboard sort of, um, you know, skate park, um, at like the whole skate park X Games aspect of it. And like, I want to see either the you know, long hoverboard downhill race or the, uh, you know, the X games level, like hoverboard skate park. I want to see what that looks like. And I just think, I think that would be, I think that's a really cool concept and I think it would exist in that world, but it's never actually confirmed on screen. So this one is kind of a cheat, if that makes sense. No, I hear what you're saying. Um, you know, it's funny is I didn't even think about, I wasn't thinking hoverboards when I was doing this list at all. Like I wasn't even Absolutely. About skateboarding versus hoverboarding, you know? So, I mean, that I definitely adds a whole new degree of difficulty. <laughs> um, Absolutely. But yeah, no, that's nice pick. Um, this is where I believe we're going to start matching, but we might not have matched at all, which is kind of cool. Um, so, <laughs> I think um, we, we match on two, potentially three, but it really depends. I don't know. So my first one is uh, my next one is pod racing. Awesome. Uh, We did match on this one. Okay. Um, And this is essentially I mean, it's essentially um, uh, Star Wars NASCAR, if you will. But at the same time, this is uh, like it is turned up to 11 Star Wars, you know, uh, NASCAR. Um, I mean, you got to think about this. It's basically two giant jet engines. Um, and you are tethered to it like a chariot <laughs> doing your best to steer. So it's basically chariot in a way. Uh, take OK, forget what I said about NASCAR. It's chariot racing uh, just in a galaxy far, far away. Um, but no, that's just that's one that like, why not? Like, what would we come up with for uh, our pods? Like, what would our pod racers look like? You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of what's going on in my head. I'm like, it just it's because of how dangerous a sport is. It seemed like just a really cool idea. I'm like, yeah, pod racing should be a thing. So. Absolutely. Um, I will say that we did uh, make a couple Lego pod racers back in the day. So we did see some of the the designs that we would come up with. But um, no, pod racing, I just think is a great. um, This is one of the perfect examples of a movie sport. And uh, when you actually go to episode one, just because I agree with everything you say, and there's not too much to add to it, except when you actually go to episode one and the whole 
pod race sequence of that movie, that whole sequence is just an amazing feat of uh, cinematography as well as like sound design. Um, and I, I'm kind of brushing over it, but that's like kind of an understatement how really awesome and powerful that scene is. Like, I know people who don't like episode one who actually really appreciate that scene in the movie. And I just think this is a perfect example of a fictional sport. And it's just a really epic example as well, which is why I matched with it. So, yeah, pot racing is awesome. <laughs> All right. So I guess it's my turn next. Yes. All right. So um, this is one that I thought we might have matched on, too, but I wonder if we did not. Um, and that is uh, from Calvin and Hobbes, uh, the game Calvin Ball. <laughs> this one made my short list. Um, we didn't match and I can explain why, but I definitely think okay. it's a great pick. Um, Calvin Ball is incredibly difficult to explain. Um, it's incredibly difficult to understand when you read the comic book, uh, Calvin Hobbes, as to what actually transpires in the game. What I do know, and the reason this made my list, is because I love Calvin and Hobbes. End of discussion. There's no way I couldn't do a fictional sport list without this on my list. I was one of the. There were two games that came immediately to mind when you said we were doing this list. It was Calvin Ball and another one, um, which I'll bring up later. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, so the main rule of Calvin Ball is that every game must be different. Otherwise, competitors <laughs> may make them up at any time during a match, and then there's no point to the scoring system. It's very hard to describe, really. <laughs> that, <laughs> that is the write-up I was able to find on Calvin Ball. So Awesome. Yeah, um, anyway. Well, the, the way I always understood Calvin Ball was kind of you get a couple friends and you go – outside with a ball and you kind of make up the game as you go. And it's kind of just a stream of consciousness. Like let's go up, let's go make up a game thing, which is really awesome. Like it's one of those, I don't know, Bill Watterson, when he did the Calvin Hobbes comics, he had just had so many amazing concepts in there. And that's, that's just such a good, like, you know, it, it's this sort of like childhood playful concept. That's just really perfectly captured in Calvin ball. Like it's just such a, such a good idea for something to go out and do. The only the only reason that this didn't make my list, though, is because I specifically chose to go with games that we can't actually play in real life. Oh. Um, and okay. so, since since Calvin Ball just seemed like you could actually do it, that's the only reason it didn't make my list. But it definitely is one of my favorite fictional sports, and I definitely see why it made your list. So uh, I definitely agree that it's an awesome pick. Well, I just made that choice to make stuff that was uh, unobtainable, if you will. But what were you saying? It's interesting that you said that you went with stuff that's unattainable, like games you can't play in real life. Um, yeah. where I looked at the list and thought to myself – I'm going to go with things that I've seen from pop culture that have always made me laugh and I've enjoyed. And I would love <laughs> to do that in real life, whether it's a real life achievable thing or not. Yeah. You know, that's, no, kind, I, of how I, that's kind of how I tackled the list. So, all right. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, well, yeah, um, I guess we can keep going, but uh, I can probably move into my next one. Yep. I was going to comment on that further, but I felt like I might be spoiling something for later. No, no, <laughs> go ahead. Um, so my next pick is um, I'm going to go with Quidditch. And this is actually one of the first ones that I was going to mention on my list. And we all know Quidditch. We all know we all love Quidditch from Harry Potter. And uh, you might say, like, 
Peter, you know, this, why would this be one of your first picks you were going to mention? I thought you would save this for last. You know, you're a big Harry Potter fan. And the thing about Quidditch, while I think it's an, I think it's an awesome sport. It's a really fun game. I think there's really cool rules that go with it as far as the different balls that are in play and the different uh, players on the field and stuff. Quidditch was always one of my least favorite parts of Harry Potter. <laughs> and that's one of those things where I like, interesting. I like you're a Harry Potter fan. That, well, that, that's, that's what I'm saying. But the thing is like, I've known people who have always said like my favorite part of Harry Potter is Quidditch. And I always was like, really? <laughs> this is, a, this is like, you're reading a book about wizards and there's dragons and there's this amazing fantasy world. And your favorite part is like, the sport game and the thing, which, like I said, I like Quidditch, but it's it was always like every other aspect of the wizarding world of Harry Potter. I found more interesting. I was a lot more interested in the magic and the creatures and the different locations they went to and this whole world. And Quidditch was always cool, but it was never something where I would say it was the my favorite part of the story because I was a lot more into the more fantastical aspects, I guess. So that's like, while it does, it does make my list. It's one of my favorite fictional sports. I always thought that was funny. Um, I kind of just wanted to bring that up because I thought it was a funny aspect, but like I said, Quidditch is, in my opinion, it's like a really awesome game. I, from reading the Harry Potter books, it's one of those things that off the top of my head, like it's really easy to know, all the different balls, all the different positions and everything like that, like how the game of Quidditch works, I think was explained so well in Harry Potter. And uh, it's just one of those things that sticks sticks in your head for life, even though I feel like I kind of <laughs> I kind of uh, diminished it a little bit. It is a uh, it is one of my favorite fictional sports. So there you go. You know, my I look, I am not a big Harry Potter fan and we could that could be a whole show if you really wanted to. But um, <laughs> a whole show of what Drew doesn't like about Harry Potter. <laughs> um, no, I'm just not a big Harry Potter fan. And like, I get it. Everybody, there's other people that are, because I know there's people that's, you know, I'm a big Star Wars fan and they say that they're not Star Wars fans. It's okay. We all like our things. My problem with Quidditch. And here's the thing to me, when I saw Quidditch the first time, all I thought to myself was, this was J.K. Rowling. This is J.K. Rowling's Star Wars fantasy. She wanted speeder bikes in her in her books. This is how she gets speeder. <laughs> um, so yes and no. I mean, <laughs> witches have been riding blue brooms for longer than speeder bikes, though. At the right, same time, well you're, well, you're laughing because you understand what I meant by that. Anyway. My point is, when I was listening to the rules of Quidditch, I was like, okay, I get this. All right. And you're watching the game. By the third movie, I realized none of this matters if someone grabs the snitch. Uh, okay, that that is true for the most part. And I, but I also... And I know you and I know what you're going to say, because there's the for the most part, because I guess there's some score where like one team actually grabbed the snitch, but they the other team won anyway, because the scoring versus the snitch versus what was actually scored on the board was, you know what I mean? I, I, so, think, that's well, where, I think that's where you were going with it. But go ahead. It, it is where I was going with it. But what I was going to say is I think that's a failure on the Harry Potter Potter on the Harry Potter movies, because 
I believe it's in the first Harry Potter movie. Um, Harry's getting the game of Quidditch explained to him, and he's told that whoever catches the golden snitch automatically wins the game. Uh, when you read the books, that's actually not the case. Um, it's just that the snitch is worth 150 points. So in any case that the score of the opposing team is higher than that, you won't necessarily win by catching the snitch and the snitch is more just what ends the game. So I, I do understand what you mean. And from almost every example within Harry Potter, whoever catches the snitch ends up winning. But uh, in the book, they specifically talk about Quidditch matches that last for days or weeks or something before somebody actually catches the snitch. And there's kind of a, there's a lot more fun sort of lore and details of it. And I think the movie version, they simplified too much. And it's one of those things where when the first movie came out and they said that whoever catches the golden snitch automatically wins, that's actually a part that kind of pissed me off because I'm like, but that's not true. <laughs> you know what I mean? So sure. Well, that was ultimately like my problem with Quidditch. I'm like, but hold on. Like what? Then why does any of the rest of this matter? <laughs> you know? <laughs> So, <laughs> no, no, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's that's my beef about Quidditch. But yeah. All right. Anyway. Um, so my turn. Yes. All right. So I do wonder if there's a chance that we. Um, uh, matched on matched? this or not. Yeah, I, this is one that I do miss, wonder if we matched on. And that is the Hunger Games. Yes, we did match on. This OK. One. OK, nice. Um, and this is literally like, here's the thing, kids. Um, if you play, uh, if you're playing Fortnite, you're playing hunger games, everyone lands on an Island, no weapons. Here you go. Last man standing wins. You know what I mean? It's something we've been playing in video games. Why not do it in real life? Um, the books, I loved the books and I honestly did not necessarily think of the hunger games as a sport until I'd started researching the idea of fictional sports. But the Hunger Games truly is a sport. Not only that, like even when you read the books or watch the movies, they are legitly like they televise it. They treat it like a sporting event. It's ESPN for them, you know. Um, but, yeah, do you have anything to say about Hunger Games or? Yeah, it's it's really interesting because it is ESPN for them. But there's also the whole um, political aspect that's brought in brought into it of, as far as like who's going to get extra food this year or whatever <laughs> based on who wins uh which is really crazy but um no the hunger games i've always really i haven't read the books the movies i really thought they had like yes this is a battle royale like last man standing wins sort of game but i always thought the movies had really cool cinematic ways to uh to show everything like how at the very beginning, how there's the group of weapons in the center of the map that everybody's trying to get to and how each movie they kind of that kind of changes and they play that up a little more in really interesting ways. Um, and, yeah, I don't it's hard to know what to say, but it's just it's a badass battle royale. And this is another one that I didn't really think think of as a sport, but I think it totally counts. And um, it's just a really cool concept. It's very epic and uh you know, it's just it's just cool overall. <laughs> it's hard to yeah. really know how to expound from there. I don't know how to expound upon it either. It's literally like a whole like, yes, in the story, it's all about people vying for food and, you know, all this other stuff. But and fame and glory. But at the end of the day, like the sport is a bunch of people go in. Last man standing wins. 
you know, yes, there's death and destruction and stuff, but I love the books and I really like the movies. Um, yeah. So I think the hunger games as a series does show the balance between like strategy and, um, athletic ability. Like there's a cool balance there where, um, you know, there's the whole aspect where is it PETA who does the uh, the sort of chameleon stuff where he like covers himself in mud and blends in to like a wall at one part and stuff. It's been a while since I've watched the series, so I can't remember all the details, but I think they have a cool there's a lot of strategy that played into everything as opposed to just, you know, a bunch of people kicking each other's ass, I guess, <laughs> if that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's there definitely was a strategy. They also talked about, you know, we laugh um, as gamers. We laugh sometimes about, you know, camping, um, meaning you're basically holding the corner with a shotgun and waiting for people to come around the corner and you shoot them. Um, <laughs> um, you know, that's something you hear about all the time is as a gamer thing and people get mad at campers. But in the Hunger Games, that's a legitimate strategy. That's how um, uh, Hamish won his Hunger Games. He basically camped out, you know. Um, absolutely so it's it is a as the red versus blue joked about it a legitimate strategy so um but yeah no i just i always thought the hunger games was awesome so um all right nice. man. final pick of the night yeah it's uh, crazy we're already at my final pick and this isn't something that i meant to be my final pick but i'm ending up going with uh motorball from alita battle angel whoa. um this is just First of all, this movie was really oh, I still great. Get a pick, right? What? You know, I still got a pick, right? Oh, that's kind of weird that I ended up going before you. Yeah. Oh, I should have thrown back to you. My bad. <laughs> we both matched. It's all right. Tell us about Motorball. Oh, <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's my, all right my bad. that we're a little For bit sure. over. And here's the thing. I thought we were matching on the final pick, so it's all good. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing what you say, but basically, I mean, we've talked about Alita plenty of times in the past. It's a great movie. It's a really good um, anime and manga adaptation, but it's also just a good movie overall. Um, but when it comes to Motorball, I loved the movie because you see you initially see the amateur version of Motorball where you see a bunch of kids playing this weird like handball game on like this sort of skate park, skate park looking basketball court thing. And it just looks like a really fun game to play. And that's actually a game I feel like you could go to a skate park and kind of reenact that game, although it would be pretty dangerous and you'd have to be pretty skilled. It looked really fun. And then when it came down to the actual scene at the end where they're actually playing real legit motorball, it was just this really epic crazy like mix between a handball game as well as just like an off the walls sort of motorized rollerblade race um a lot of the parts of the motorball course um at the end actually really reminded me a lot of the speed racer movie which is another really good movie that i feel like gets uh underappreciated a lot but um yeah, a lot of the crazy antics of Motorball and Alita reminded me of the craziness of uh, Speed Racer as well, which I really thought was really cool as well. But uh, I don't know if I have too much to say other than that on this one. But, uh, yeah, I just thought Motorball looked really fun. What I liked about Motorball was the um, the uh, the visuals of it were awesome. Uh, that Absolutely. Was when, I was watch, when I was watching Alita, like the vision, I mean, essentially motorball is very much rollerball just on an anime level. 
Yeah, yeah, right on. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like it's it's like the it's like Star Wars pod racing is like you know chariots of fire or NASCAR like on a on turned up to eleven and it's, it's same same goes for motorball. It's basically rollerball just turned up to eleven with death and destruction and explosions and stuff. Um, but I was the visuals were great. It made it it was really exciting sequences in the movie. So yeah, I hear you. Absolutely. All right. And the fact that you did not bring this up, my final pick of the night, which I thought we were going to match on, well, is basketball. <laughs> OK, <laughs> so this is another one that just because I can actually go out and play it, it didn't make my list, but it's definitely a great pick. It made my short list. And this is the one that I I didn't want to mention early because earlier because I was like, well, that might ruin one of Drew's picks for later. But basketball is awesome. I love the movie. I love the game. Uh, talk about basketball. All right. So first off, I love the movie. I love the game. This is one where when I got done watching the movie the very first time, I'm like, how do I play this game? Let's go out into the yard and play basketball right now. Absolutely. Um, essentially. So basketball, I know we've talked about it in the past, um, but it's basically Two guys made a game it, in the movie. Two guys make a game in their driveway and it becomes this like cultural phenomenon and it becomes this actual sport that becomes pro and all that stuff. Essentially, basketball is basketball with baseball rules. And um, so like a free throw is a single, a three point shot's a double, a half court shot would be a home run. Uh, you choose where you shoot from. Your players run the bases just like in baseball. Um you the the team that's in the field or the defending team, if you will, would um, get the option for tips to cause a conversion, which when you throw in like a football term, like a conversion, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> There's certain rules that I don't understand. I could probably look them up online and say, guys, we're going out and playing basketball. But um, one of my favorite parts about basketball, and it's probably what makes the movie even better than it already is is the psych outs, the psych out rule. So <laughs> absolutely the, the guy who, because it's base it's basketball with baseball rules. The guy who would be your pitcher, if you will, instead of pitching the ball to him would try and psych out the shooter to cause them to miss their shot. <laughs> um, which is kind of genius because, you know, they're pitching an insult or they're pitching a comment or they're pitching, you know, something to screw up the other player. Um, and that's where the movie shines in some of the comedy, because getting to see some getting to see or hear some of the things they do to screw up the other player is where a lot of the comedy gold is. But I don't I just know that after I watched that movie, I'm like, I want to play this game. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, basketball was. Yeah, I there's no way I was doing this was when you said fictional sports. I was like basketball and I wrote it down before. <laughs> That's awesome. No, this this game is awesome. This movie's awesome, as I've already said. But um, no, I'm glad you brought up the psych outs because I remember the movie coming out and it just kind of that whole psych out concept kind of at least on me. And I feel like it as you as well, Drew, and our other brothers and friends, like I feel like uh, the idea of a psych out kind of impressed this idea on us like it didn't even matter if we were playing like a, an iteration of basketball in the driveway or if we were just playing like tips 21 or some other like basketball game. Anytime somebody is up for a free throw 
everybody was trying to psych each other out for like <laughs> years to come after seeing that movie. And that's one of the amazing aspects of this film, like how it impressed this whole psych out concept on us. But uh, no, basketball is awesome. Like I said, it made my short list. The only reason I didn't pick it is it's because it's something that I could actually play. But at the same time, this conversation is actually leading me to feel like, you know, I should play basketball, you know, like what's <laughs> keeping me from getting a bunch of friends together and just playing basketball, you know, because like, yeah, we're maybe older than we used to be and we don't want to run around as much and stuff. But I mean, we can still pull off basketball for sure, you know, like no well, problem. That, so that was the whole point, because in the movie basketball, when they're like, you know, we're pretty good at basketball. And he's like, yeah, but we'd have to run and jump and all <laughs> Yeah, because they were like making every shot they threw up there. But he's like, we're pretty good at this. Like, yeah, but I don't want to run and jump and stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So that was the whole point, which made me laugh. Um, but yeah, basketball is my final pick of the night. Well, so for fictional sports, uh, there gives everyone uh, something we should all go and do. And I think uh, aside from all of us playing basketball, we should all figure out how to play tap ball and get a rousing game of that going. Um, but yeah, anyway. Absolutely. Um, are you ready to um, close this one out and throw this episode in the can? Yeah, let's go for it. Great. Um, so do us all a favor, everyone. Oh, I need to tell you what we're doing next week for our list, don't I? Oh, you're right. <laughs> um, wow, we almost ended the show too early. What are they doing? Um, all right, so Peter, I'm going to throw you a curveball, and I'm going to give you a hard one. All right, you ready for this? All right. Yeah, let's go for all it. Right. Because I've been watching anime lately... And I had to go back all of our episodes. We've never done this, but we've talked about anime in the past. Are you ready to do our five favorite anime? Yeah. No, this is awesome. Yeah, I'm okay. excited. And movies, television shows, they're all loud. It doesn't matter which you pick. Okay, great. So there's no limit there. So I just figured because you, I, I think you watch more than I do, but I was just like, I've just been on a tiny little anime kick. I'm like, wow, we've never done that yet. So yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I feel like I've gone through moments where I've watched a lot of anime and lately I haven't enough and it's kind of disappointing. But this list should be really fun. So I'm super excited. Um, and, yeah, I feel like we didn't do this list for a while because we probably both were like, well, you know, has the other person watched enough anime? But I, no, I think this is going to be a great list and this is going to be a really uh, fun discussion. So, yeah. Cool. 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 All right. So, everyone, do us a favor and check out our website, top five report at um, top5report.com. You'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter, uh, Twitter and Facebook, along with the links to our email, top5report at gmail.com. Um, you can interact with the show there. Hit us up on our email. Either way works. Um, we're on Google, iHeartRate, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, <laughs> Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review we love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it makes us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. Um, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Peter? Oh, well, I just did. I did want to say if you do search us, we are on Google. So don't forget that. But uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre. And that's where I'll be posting the rules to new ultimate fireball <laughs> <laughs> two fun jokes in a night wow <laughs> absolutely anyway so for the top five report i'm drew i'm peter and thanks for listening everybody have a good night